Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Those of you who've been around, you know that I'm going through the book of James, not necessarily verse by verse, but definitely idea by idea. And so we're in James 2, verse 14. And I'm going to read this. It's actually, I'm going to read quite a large chunk because it's um, all in the same context. And I'm not going to explore every bit of this, but I'm going to auger down into an aspect or two of this. And I'll just trust that the spirit of truth will interpret what you need to hear in a way that you need to hear it so that it impacts your life and your heart. And, um, and so with that, let me just, I don't know why, I just feel like the need to just take a deep breath and relax into this. Um, it's one thing for me to say this is the living room and we're not performance oriented and it's another thing to actually live that out. <sighs> so with that, James two fourteen through 26. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation, by the way. So you might be following along and be like, wait, it doesn't say that. Well, it does. How could this kind of faith save anyone? Verse 15. For example, if a brother or sister in faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup. What good is your faith? So then, faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works and I will show you then, wait, and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. Verse 19. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they are unchanged. They remain demons. O feeble sons of Adam, Do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And can't you see how his actions cooperated with his faith and by his 
action, faith found its full expression. So in the same way, the scripture was fulfilled because Abraham believed God. His faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. So now it's clear that a person is seen as righteous in the eyes of God, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. And the same is true of the prostitute named Rahab, who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works. For she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. For just as a human body without a spirit is dead, it's a dead corpse. So faith without expression of good works is dead. Okay, there's a lot in this. And uh, this, I would say, this passage of Scripture is probably the main reason why it was almost, this book was almost not canonized into the, into the Bible. Uh, there was a great debate about the book of James, the letter written to Jewish Christians who had been dispersed all throughout the globe because of persecution. Um, James wrote this letter, and James is the brother of Jesus, and he wrote this letter, and this is probably the first New Testament letter that was actually scripted, and it was several decades after Jesus ascended. And so, um, and so this right here is the reason why, um, you know, there's a, a debate there has been historically, about the validity of the book of James as part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because at first glance, um, this almost seems contradictory to some other teachings within the New Testament. And we'll look at that in just a second, okay? But let's start by talking about what this passage of Scripture is not saying from my vantage point. And I, I want to focus right in on this part. You know, it's caused confusion about the message of Jesus ever since it was canonized. In fact, uh, Luther uh, referred to the book of James as the straw gospel. Um, and a lot of the reason why is because um, he argued that this contradicted the gospel of grace that Paul writes about to a lot of churches in a lot of cities. And we'll touch on some of those letters, um, and we'll see how this is not necessarily a contradiction, but it's kind of like, um, as Tiffany was telling me in the last couple of, uh, well, since yesterday, I think, you're like, okay, we can look at that mountain over there called Pikes Peak, right, Jackie? And from this vantage point, that mountain looks this way. There's a view that we have of that mountain. When you drive about 10 miles around Divide, and you, you hook a left there in Divide, and you look up at that mountain, it's a totally different view. Same mountain. All right, get where I'm going with that. Thanks, Jackie, for sharing that with Tiffany, and she shared it with me, and I'm like, it totally works. Um, so this, this verse 14... Let me read this. 
What good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? That's probably the core. That's probably the crux right there, that phrase. I believe that um, Luther may have misinterpreted James' intentions. I believe that James is telling us um, something other than, let me just back up. I was going to tell you what I, I think this is not saying. I do not believe James is telling us that we earn God's favor by doing good works. Um, the letters of Paul are very clear about that, and we actually ascribe to these teachings. Uh, in Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, uh, he tells us, it is by grace that you have been saved by faith. Nothing that you could ever do, or nothing that you could do could ever earn this salvation, he goes on to say. Or you may know it as, it is by grace that you are saved by faith, not of works, so that no one could boast about it, right? Nothing that you could do could earn salvation, for it was a love gift from God that brought us to Christ. And uh, not only Paul, but Titus. I mean, one of my life verses for many years, some of you have been around for a while, you've heard me uh, quote Titus 3. This was actually a hymn, a hymn of salvation in verses 4 to 6. And it says this, When the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person, As the brightness of the dawning day, isn't that beautiful? He came to save us. Not because of any virtuous deed that we had done, but only because of his extravagant mercy, he saved us. Resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth, and he made us completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly into our lives. So, James isn't saying a different gospel. He's not saying that you have to work in order to earn salvation. He's in agreement. I believe it wholeheartedly. Nor is James saying faith is bad and works are good, just like he's not saying the body is bad and the spirit is good. Um, it's, it's certainly not an either or proposition here. It's a yes and. Yes, faith and good deeds. Let's remember James has a Jewish worldview and a Jewish mindset, and it's impossible to separate faith from action with that mindset. And just like it's impossible to separate love and action with that mindset. Um, In fact, this would start to blend in with what is our faith really? And so I want to just look at John. You know, he, he says this in 1 John where he says, Beloved children... Our love cannot be an abstract theory we only talk about. Could I just go ahead and input there? Our faith cannot be an abstract theory that we only talk about. But a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action. We could say the same. We know that the truth lives in us because we demonstrate our faith in action. 
which will reassure our hearts in his presence. That's a beautiful phrase, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. I want you to just tuck that back in there, and we'll pull that out of the file here in just a minute. That phrase about our hearts being reassured. The Apostle John wrote this letter to assure us of the truths of God's love and mercy towards us. And when we receive his love, we are free to share it with others. And we love one another and we have the assurance that God's, we're God's children. And that God's love is perfected in us. Okay? Do you remember a few weeks ago when I was unpacking James 2, 1 through 13? Uh, verse 9 in there really does kind of come back around for us. Because this is the context. It's not like uh, James is talking about one thing in a few verses, and then he totally like shifts gears and moves to a totally different subject. This is all the same subject. And what he says to us in James 2, 9 is your calling, he says this, James does, your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in the scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourselves. By keeping this law, this is a noble way to live. All right? So I said three weeks ago that the law of love is our religion. I mean, I even used that exact phrase. I just, this is our religion. So let's tie faith in Jesus Christ to the law of love. They're one and the same, in my opinion. If you think about what you've put your faith in, then it all revolves around love. God is love. God loved the world and gave us his son, Jesus. We are rooted and established in love, and our experience of love grows. We are saved not because of the good works that we had done, but because of the gift of grace that was motivated by divine love. That said, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not convinced? (laughs) You know this verse. It's Romans 8. I love it so much. Could anything divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions or deprivations or hunger or um, dangers or death threats? No. For they are impotent to hinder the omnipotent love of God. Verse 37, it goes on to say, And yet, in the midst of all of these things, we triumph over them, for God has made us more than conquerors, for he demonstrated his love in this glorious victory over everything. So now, we can live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, over life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that could distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Our faith is rooted in God's love. 
our faith in action is love in action. So let's circle back to James 2.14. What good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? So we have to go there. We have to, we have to put the magnifying glass on that word save anyone. The original context of this work um, uh, it, the word save here is the word sos, where we, it's the root for the word sozo in the original language. And the proper translation here is to deliver out of danger and into safety. All right? So while the root means, it actually means to make well by being in divine safety. So I want you to think about this. When we look at James and he's saying... Um, your faith in action, I mean, the, the, the opposite could be said, your faith in action can save you. If he's saying, what, how could faith without action save anyone? We could presuppose then that faith with action can actually save you. And so when we look at it, we're not looking at it from the context of entering into God's love we're not entering into the establishment of God's like presence in our life. We're not the, the works aren't doing that, but the works can actually save. The works can actually bring you out of danger and into safety. The works can actually make you well by bringing you into divine safety. In the here and now this side of heaven, okay? And so we're encouraged in Philippians 2, 12 to work out our salvation, to work it out. Okay, so we're saved and yet we're called to work it out? It goes on to say in verse 13 of uh, Philippians 2, for God is at work within you to both will and to work his good pleasure. So there's a lot of work going on here. And actually, God's the initiator. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who's giving us the capacity to do the good works. He's the one who's given us the capacity to express love in tangible ways. Paul isn't telling the folks in Philippi to, to work in order to get saved. No, he's saying, um, now that you're established in the love of God, and he has fully entered your life, do what you need to do to experience the manifestation of that salvation, that wholeness and wellness available to you, and let it be expressed towards others. So I believe that James is um, pointing us to a very real dynamic of being, yeah, established in the eternal security of God's love, and yet we are called to work out our salvation, to work the work. It's like um, we do it in such a way that as John put it, it will reassure our hearts in God's presence. So let's get practical here for a second. Because I don't want to just talk about this, right? Because what did I just read? I mean, it's not just about the theories. All right, so let's get practical here. Did you know that researchers show that people who are depressed 
use the words I and my more than those who are not depressed. Now, that's not saying that selfishness creates depression as much as it points us to the fact that when people think outside of themselves and think towards others, they experience a lift out of depression. So fill in the blank, whatever funk you're in, you know, depression or anger or addiction or loneliness or fear, whatever the manifestation of being unwell is and feeling unsafe in yourself, allow James and John and Paul to point us all towards putting our faith and our love into action that benefits another human being. And guess what? Everyone wins including you. So in the same way that your faith is more than words and ideas, so too is, you know, the path of wholeness. It's more than just ideas and words. It starts with good ideas. It begins to express itself in good words, and yet it finds power and life in good works. So put this on your list of prescriptions. Um, Put your faith into practical action towards others expressed in love. And allow the power of God's love moving through you to bring transformation to your heart. This will bring you more squarely into our wholeness. This will, this will bring us more squarely into our wellness on this side of heaven. So we'll sum it up here. You've heard me say that talk is cheap. I'd go so far as to say that talk is free. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. People do all the time. You can say whatever you want about your God, about religion, about your faith, even about your love for others. But unless your words are supported by action, they remain words. The substance of our lives is in what we do, right? So yes, let's think about these things. Let's even talk about these things. But let all of that inform how we act, okay? Because what we do matters. And I believe that there are aspects of healing and wholeness, wellness, and our sense of safety that will only be discovered and fully entered into as we allow our actions to speak louder than our words. And it certainly matters to others. I mean, I love the examples that James gives us. I mean, they're, they're very practical examples. A coat. A cup of soup. Jesus taught us in Matthew five sixteen, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your life of faith in action not only orients your heart to the love of God, it helps orient others to the love of God. Faith and love enacted, it brings transformation to you and to the world around you, right? And my goodness, we need more of that. So thanks, James. Thanks for bringing it out of the ethereal 
and bringing it down to earth. Thanks for challenging us that um, we're not just to be sequestered into our, our own little thing and not venture out. I had this conversation yesterday, actually, with a new friend. And um, we were talking about what it, what it looks like to pastor in a church, in a community where the community is changing, you know, and the community is, like, morphing into, um, you know, it's whatever it is, you know, it's culture and it's way, and it's like there's so, so many different types of people. And so the conversation, when you talk pastor to pastor a lot of times, is kind of circles around to, well, what can we do to make the church attractive to bring people in? And while that was being shared in this conversation, I had this dose of inspiration. And the dose of inspiration was, what would it be like if the community out there became so attractive that we actually went out? Instead of trying to create something that brings people all in, why don't we all just go out? Got a crew of new friends over the last six months, and uh, I like them. They don't come into this church, and they may never, but I like them. And we're hanging out and uh, having good, deep conversations. And my heart of compassion and love is growing for the city. How about that? Now, that doesn't put any onus on the community to get more attractive. (laughs) Have you heard of beer goggles? I figured some of you hadn't. Some of you are well versed in what I'm about to say. It's like, oh, okay, you walk into a bar, and there's someone across the room that isn't that attractive. But after you've had a couple of beers, they get more and more attractive. So what if... Paul tells us in Ephesians, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What if one of the benefits of having an, an, an intimate conversation or relationship with the Spirit of Christ is he makes people who weren't that attractive to you more attractive? They don't have to change a bit. What if you were under that influence? The influence of love. I don't know what we can call it. Some kind of goggles. Love goggles. But I think, I think there's something to that. Because we're the ones that might need to change. So on a final note here. I want to thank you as a community for releasing me to be a pastor within the city and not just a pastor within these walls. Because pastor is not a title. It's not a noun. It's a verb. Your faith is not a noun. It's a verb. Your love is not a noun. It's a verb. And we put it into action. And so with that, friends, let's go ahead and pray. Why don't you stand with me? We'll just finish it out like this. Beer goggles. I went there. (laughs) 
God, we want to be influenced by your love. And in the same way that, um, that you do a little comparison contrast with the effects of um, alcohol, it does, your presence and your love reduces our inhibitions and it changes our perspective and it gives us courage. And so I pray that your love would empower us right now. I pray that we would look for ways to put our faith and our love into action. And I thank you that Paul makes it simple. It doesn't have to be that complex. Cup of soup, a jacket. And so, Lord, we just want to ask for your help this week as we love our city, as we love the people that you bring into our lives. Not with words, not by winning arguments, but by acts of love. Let us be an expression of your love. Let us be an expression of our own faith. And I pray, Lord, that it would clarify for some what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That they would glorify you because of good works and good deeds and good actions that we extend to them. So Lord, um, even as I was worshiping this morning and you drew my heart to the, the deep stories, the complex and often hard stories that many of my friends here in this room are experiencing and have walked through, I want to thank you for your faithfulness, that you continue to walk with us through everything and that there is nothing in heaven and on earth or beneath the earth that can separate us from your love. And so we welcome it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.